first ever American Gladiators competition was filmed in a high school gymnasium in 1982, but it would take years before a television producer would take a chance on it and bring it to syndicated television. Seven years, in fact. Once that happened, American Gladiators would become a global phenomenon, and with all things popular, someone is bound to make a video game about it. So here we are. Today we're going to look at how the American Gladiators TV show came to be and talk about the 1991 NES licensed video game made in its image. So stick around and join us in the Gladiator Arena on yet another trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 148th episode of our video game history podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we'll tell you a story about one topic relevant to the current week in gaming history. It can be about a game, a console, a person, just so on, so forth, something relevant to this week in gaming history. Well, Doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the topic, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world in its legacy. Today, we're all going to learn about American Gladiators, both the television show and the 1991 video game it inspired. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, whose chiseled physique intimidates people everywhere he goes. He's my brother, Rob Casson. Rob how do you do it and what kind of work do you have to put in to get that physique? Well, Dave, it all comes down to having a very strict routine. You got to have your sleep. Okay. You got to have your eating. Yep. You got to have your getting up to go eat and go to the bathroom. And True. then the rest of the time you just vibe. I mean, I didn't say how it was chiseled, so I guess that's an appropriate answer. Uh, a, a giant, a giant man, chiseled in stone, is still a chiseled physique. Any physique can be chiseled if that's <laughs> how you want it to be. Uh, uh, I hope they treat me well in certain aspects of my physique. So, Rob. Dave, what have we been playing this week? Well, Dave, that's a phenomenal question you're asking there. This week has seen some Rocket League, some RuneScape, and some Elite Dangerous. Yeah, I saw you plug into Elite Dangerous the other day. What what you up to in that one? Honestly, uh, at the moment, no. I'm just grinding out ranks to try and get better ships. So at the moment, it is god-awful boring. <laughs> but the nice thing is, is I can automate it very much. So uh, I get to sit back and just let it do its thing, put a couple inputs here and there, and then uh, go do something fun on my phone or on the internet or something. So True statement. True statement. But it's still a great game. Don't get me wrong. There's just some things that if you want to do it the way that I'm doing it and be fast about it, it gets a little grindy. But you can always just blow other ships up and do it. It just takes longer. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I've been playing this week, Dave. So what about yourself? We played some Rocket League. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, I've been having a hard time committing to any, like, substantial game. You know, moods change. Sometimes you want to sit in front of a TV and play games for hours at end. And sometimes other things have your focus. Right now, other things have my focus. I'm pretty busy. So I've been playing a lot of games that don't require me to pay attention to them. Um, so this week, the couple new ones I tried were <laughs> Power Washer Simulator. <laughs> nice. I... Um, Loop Hero. And Dicey Dungeons. So Dicey Dungeons kind of sounds like it might be a role-playing game of, with some die kind of thing, but... True what, statement. What, what, what is Loop Hero? Loop Hero is a roguelike where you fight in a loop and you get, like, you fight an enemy and you get better armor um, 
and it's tile based. So like you fit in a loop, you get better like weapons and armor and the enemies drop tiles that you lay down to complete, like not to complete the loop, but to improve the loop. So like some tiles, um, some tiles have a certain enemy that appears every it's time. So every day, like every day a spider appears when you drop the spider cocoon and, um, there's a vampire house that when you fight within its influence, no matter what else you fight, you get a vampire and vampires drop better loot than spiders. So it's strategy. Um, and like there's villages that you can drop on a tile that when you walk through them, cause it's like one path, like you, you just follow a big circle, right? Um, it's not a circle. It's got other directions, but it's a loop and like villages will heal you and there's a treasury that you get resources and when you're like when you're done with your loops either when you die or when you finish them like you because you can retreat from them like you have a village that you have to dump resources into it to get better like when you start out you start out with a potion and you can like upgrade a certain building to start out with two potions and it's just a roguelike that's set like essentially you just fight in a big loop and it's a lot of strategy and i'm really enjoying it to be honest with you so I can tell that was very in-depth about it. I was expecting it's a roguelite where you build some tiles in a loop and there you just, you gave us a lot. So uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, re- yeah, I don't really know how to pull that back. Cause like just it's a fighting game in a loop doesn't sound very interesting, but it honestly <laughs> is really interesting. So like it's a loop different... where you change the loop. Yeah. Yeah. You have to actually drop the tiles that makes the loop difficult or easy. Like there's a big baddie that when you drop so many tiles, he appears and um and you just yeah you just you keep at it you you know and you do that over and over the different buildings unlock different classes like i just the first class is a warrior that fights with weapons but i just unlocked a necromancer who fights with some by summoning skeletons and other things um which is a completely different fighting style that you have to get used to which means like the tiles that you may have dropped you know because there's like a tile that increases your strength just there isn't but i'm throwing it out there that doesn't really help a magic user who's a necromancer and you build decks too you can only carry 12 cards or tiles at a time so you basically would put away the the tile um that are card that would do strength and you pick up a tile that would buffer magic when you're a necromancer you build decks so Hmm. um, yeah a lot of strategy to it it's a lot of fun but we are not here to talk about loop hero although we just did for like three minutes i think uh we're here to talk about American Gladiators. Have you... Are, so, it was a 90s thing, so I'm going to ask, do you know American Gladiators? Yes, I, I am familiar, at least with the show, American okay. Gladiator. So, it was still in syndication, like in, in replays when you were a kid? So uh, have you, have you yeah. watched it, actually? I've seen clips from it, but I've never actually sat and watched the show. Okay, that's kind of what I figured, so... That's okay, that's all right. They, um, well, we'll learn. We'll learn about it, right? We're here to learn yeah. about it, so we'll talk about it. Because I can't say the same. I've seen a lot of American Gladiators and played the game. So Johnny Ferraro was a native of Erie, Pennsylvania. He saw himself as bigger than life. He was a former Elvis impersonator that really became the driving force behind American Gladiators. Now, Gladiators was a concept that he conceived alongside a friend of his, Dan Carr. Now, we don't know much about Dan Carr. It's said he was a burly brawler, he was a champion arm wrestler, and he was king of the Ironworks Union in Erie, Pennsylvania. Now, if you know Pennsylvania, you know that's like the Rust Belt, steel and iron and all that through there. So everyone pretty much worked in that industry. They had unions, um, and and Dan Carr was very much part of that. He was a major figure in the union, supposedly. It's also said that he was Ferraro's nightclub bodyguard, close friend, and admittedly, from everything I could find, and there's not much, I'm going to throw that out there, American Gladiators was very much more so Carr's idea than it was Ferraro. The events that would eventually go into American Gladiators were originally designed for workers to partake in during picnic competitions with the Ironworks Union. So Ferraro, as Carr's friend, knew there was something there and he wanted to set it up as a TV show to shop around. That was his his TV show movie. Just he thought it was something people would enjoy watching, right? 
So on March 27th, 1982, they staged all these obstacles and they filmed a competition, the very first ever American Gladiators, at Airy Tech High School in Airy, Pennsylvania, so that Ferraro could take it to television producers. The next year, 1983, Ferraro got around to financing and developing American Gladiators as a movie project, and he began to shop it around to producers. He then took it to Hollywood, where they were denied over and over and over until finally someone obviously gave. That's why we're here today. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, otherwise, if no one gave, we'd never know. So in 1984, the literary rights, and I did say literary, that's the rights from the concept on paper, like a script, they were licensed by Dan Carr to Floor John Films. And this is pretty much where Dan Carr steps out of the picture and Ferraro just steamrolls ahead with American Gladiators. And there's this really big untold story about why this happened. We really don't know for sure. It's backstabbing is my guess. But what we do know is that Carr was pissed. He has a, a biography, autobiography, um, called like Tough Love or something like that. He was pissed to be pushed out of Gladiators and just kind of fell into nothingness. In fact, ESPN recently did a 30 for 30. Have you ever seen any of those 30 for 30s? Can't say that I have. So they're all fantastic sport documentaries. I know that like sports aren't our thing first and foremost, but they are all fantastic documentaries. And ESPN did a 30 for 30 on American Gladiators. They couldn't interview Carr, though, because Ferraro actually owns the rights to his likeness and wouldn't let it happen. And Ferraro didn't want to talk about it either. Whenever the documentarians were like, the producers of documentary were like, hey, let's talk about how American Gladiators was created. He would always say, I don't want to talk about that. So it's this big untold story that they never really got to the bottom of. The documentary is a whole lot of really cool interviews with people involved in this and them trying to find Dan Carr. And really they tripped on his his uh, tough love deal. So really fascinating. Um, but yeah, so Dan Carr was out of the picture pretty quickly. Uh, in 1987, Floor Han, uh, Floor John Films rather licensed the unscripted rights to the Samuel Goldwyn Company, where a producer at Samuel Goldwyn finally took a chance to the program. And it was released to the world in September of 1989. And it's hard to imagine now because of the way TV and the world is. But American Gladiator was very unique for its time. It was reality TV before we had reality TV in a lot of ways. It was a precursor to all the Ninja Warrior competitions and all the shows that were kind of like it. We didn't have anything else at the time. It was, and this is what I mean by I tripped on it, Rob. At one point, it was actually the number one television show on syndicated TV. Wow. It was a phenomenon. For a short minute, everyone wanted to see American Gladiators. And all you've seen are clips, I'm assuming. Yeah, no, just like just parts of the competitions that they were in and just random things. I don't I don't and really know much about it. And you can't even probably tell me which one because there have been multiple versions of it. The original one was syndicated from 1989 to 1996. So it would have left the air when you were just a baby. So I'm really not surprised that you haven't stumbled much across it. But, I mean, it was everywhere. Do you remember Nickelodeon Guts at all? Yeah. So that was kind of the same concept, but for kids. Um, A lot of shows like that took their inspiration from American Gladiators very much. Um, Each episode of American Gladiators had two men and two women competing against one another. The men would compete, uh, you know, man versus man, woman versus woman. And they all face off in a series of physical games against costumed athletes whose job it was to prevent, prevent them from succeeding. And I mean, I, you've, you've watched clips, so you know, like, these athletes are like, like, athletes. Peak, peak, and also, <laughs> and also like peak 90s, you know, like the big hair and like you know big beach blonde hair and they're athlete athletes and they're wearing spandex and it's like this is one of those things that when i think of like peak 90s like this is what i think of oh yeah Um, 
This screams 90s. Yeah. All the athletes had badass names, too. They had names like Malibu, Lace, Gemini, Nitro, Laser, Titan, Diamond, Ice, Thunder, Viper, Havoc, Tank. There were others. That's just some of my favorites. Hmm. Um, so there were there were a ton of athletes that that uh, that competed over all the time. Initially, for the first season, they selected 10 men and 10 women to participate participate against one another. It was a tournament format spread over 13 episodes. So the winners would move on to the next round. Reaching the semifinal round would net a contender, which is what the, the normal people were called, no less than $2,500. And then the tournament runner-up would, would win another, uh, would win $5,000, and the winner would receive $10,000 and a chance to become a gladiator. But what they didn't count on was the fact that American Gladiators was way, way, way more popular than they expected it to be. So with that idea in mind, they started a second tournament before the first one was even finished. Jeez. They scraped the concept of the winners potentially becoming Gladiators, but instead they asked the winners of the first tournament to come back and face the winners of the second tournament in an all new tournament that they coined the grand championship. And of course the winner was declared the season's overall champion and awarded more money. They were kind of making it up on the fly. You know, they used the same format for season two by season three. It was incredibly popular. So it got bigger. They increased the number of competitors to 48 and the format, you know, they adjusted everything to accommodate more people. Again, it ended in a grand championship. By season six and seven, each match was played for cash. So if you won one show, one match, you would win $2,500. And then like the cash prizes would increase as you got to the semifinals and runner up and finals obviously got more money. And then by season six, they had an international gladiators competition. It was so big that there was a UK version. There was an American version and then they decided to pit the winners of the UK against the winner of the US competition. And they held an international competition in Britain and all the champions went to compete in it. And Who won that one? I have no clue. I didn't uh, even think to look it up, to be totally honest with I you. I was just curious if it was the US or Britain. I didn't even think to, to look it up. It's pretty crazy. It, it's absolutely pretty crazy. But you know what, Rob? What, Dave? We all have to start somewhere, right? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, every endeavor that anyone does has to start from the beginning. In the case of the Gladiators, they started out with 10 contenders. Eventually, there was 48 and then more, more, more. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, speaking of starting from everywhere, do you remember when we started this podcast? Yeah. It was a long time ago, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it was a very long time. 148 episodes. That's almost three years ago. We're going on three years. Yes, sir. I remember one of the things that we really struggled with in the beginning was finding the tools to produce this webcast, this podcast. You know, like we would, the recording was like the hard part. Like, how do you record a podcast and make it so everyone just is in sync with one another? I remember we tried, I don't know, a Discord bot. We tried recording on our own. We tried a whole bunch of things for a long time, and it all just kind of worked, but never quite was perfect, like never worked right. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. It was definitely a struggle in the beginning, but I think we found something that kind of fits the bill and does a great job. Very true. Very true. Well, nowadays we record on Zencaster. It's so easy it's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser. Your guests can log in using the browser, and you can start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Zencast allows you to record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. So everything that we record on Zencaster is backed up in multiple layers, ensuring that you know we always have at our at our disposal, and it would be at your disposal if you wanted to use it, You'd have the recordings available to you at all times in the highest quality, even if the connection's unstable. We've had guests on here in times where it's disconnected. And even when it's disconnected, what Zencaster does is when it's done recording, it uploads 
the audio from their computer to the main server. And then I have a copy of it safe and sound. It's, it's really fantastic. And Zencaster nowadays has post-production. So it really makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes all those ums and ahs in your recording. Though admittedly, I like to leave some of that stuff in. Uh, it removes all those awkward pauses because we both know that I have plenty of awkward pauses when I'm trying to think about my stuff. It does all the right stuff. Sets your loudness, sets your levels, uh, reduces background noise with the click of a button. You know what I mean? Zencaster has been a fantastic solution for our recording. And I think that it really changed the game when we switched over to it. Wouldn't you agree? I would definitely agree, Dave. Zencaster is where it's at. Zencaster is definitely where it's at. And I was thinking... You know, we have a lot of friends out there that want to join us. Some of them in the past have expressed interest in starting their own podcast. have invited us onto their podcast, too. And I feel like I'm being greedy, not sharing the tools. So for all of you that would like to start your own podcast, I would highly recommend Zencaster. We actually have a coupon code. If you go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and you use our code memory card lane, you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. It's a fantastic way for you to get the same easy experience that we get for all of our podcasting production and recording with this podcast that you listen to week in, week out. So again, Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use the code memory card lane. You know it. That's our website too. You'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. So American Gladiators... Each episode, there was a series of events, right? Uh, you said you've seen clips before, correct? That Yes, that is correct. So what what do you remember? Like, what clips do you remember seeing? Well, I remember one, there were um, two of the guys were doing like a tug of war on these moving platforms. Yep. Um, and another one, there was w- just one guy who was going back and forth between these like pillars that had a foam dart gun that he was trying to shoot at <laughs> one of those costume bad guys standing atop a tower like you were talking about. The costume bad guy was the one shooting. No, no. They, the, he, they would shoot back. So the one had a cannon that he was constantly shooting. The other one had like one shot at each location. And, and they, they had, had to try and hit a target above the yes. turret. Yes, and every time they had to run closer to it. Okay, all right. So I thought that we would take some time, for those of you who don't know, just to describe to you how ridiculous American Gladiators is and talk about some of the events. So I picked quite a few of them that we can go through. There was Assault. In Assault, the contender... I'm pretty. This is the one that you were just talking about, literally. You had The contenders had 60 seconds to hit a target using a series of weapons while avoiding high-speed tennis balls that were fired at them by a gladiator using an air-powered cannon. That's the one, right? Yeah, it's the one. That course spanned the entire arena floor. Each weapon was located at a safe zone. Each successive station brought the contender closer to the gladiator's cannon, and uh, your run would end immediately if you... Um, if you hit the target or you were hit by the fire. So the whole point was either hit the target, which was easier as you got closer, but the risk was as you got closer, you were more likely to get hit by the tennis ball and not get any points whatsoever. So I loved assault. That was one of my favorite ones. Uh, there was another one that I really liked called Atlas fair. Uh, Atlas fair was also the entire arena and basically the contenders, <laughs> the contenders and the gladiators would get into uh like bubble balls that were made of metal they were metal spare cages and they had to, it was a 60 second event the contenders had to roll their spheres there were these scoring pods so the whole point was for them to roll their sphere onto one of the scoring pods well the gladiators whole concept was to make sure that they couldn't and this the scoring pods originally had like these like they were depressions in the middle so they're like these round things that you'd like roll up them and then there'd be a dip that the ball would fit into but originally the contenders couldn't always get out of the pod because once they lost momentum they'd get stuck in there nice. <laughs> so once they realized this by about like season three they redesigned them they redesigned it so there wasn't so much of a depression and, and made it easier there was a uh, there was an event called breakthrough and conquer Breakthrough and Conquer was a combination of American football and freestyle wrestling. Uh, basically, 
and break through, the contender would begin at the 15-yard line of like a field, and they had to carry a football into the end zone for a touchdown. And there was a gladiator positioned, uh, you know, in front of them who had to tackle them uh, to make sure they couldn't get into the end zone. And then they would move once they finished breakthrough, they would move over to conquer where they were moved into a circle to grapple with another gladiator. Uh, and the contender would win if they forced any part of the gladiator's body to touch the floor outside the circle. So um, there was one called Earthquake. This is the one, I don't know if this is the one you were also talking about. The contender and the gladiator were on a moving 12-foot circular platform, and they had to they had to throw each other off of the circular platform onto either, there were crash mats in the first season, I think there were water in the laser, later seasons. Gauntlet was like a half pipe, and there were gladiators lined up with blocking pads, and you had to run through the, like, you had to run through the entire uh, half pipe from beginning to end and um yeah so that was that one uh there was hit and run in one of the later series that took place on a 50 foot suspension bridge hanging up above a water tank and basically like you there were gladiators on each side of the bridge that were throwing like wrecking balls like like 100 pound wrecking balls and the contenders would have to run from one side of the bridge to the other without getting knocked off there with a rugby ball. Nice. I mean, can you see, like, you've probably seen shows like this. Oh, I've, I mean, I've definitely seen something like that in movies and things that it's, like, very similar. Yeah, that's, I mean, there is so much of American Gladiators and all those modern shows like Whiplash and American Ninja Warrior and I, I, I'm trying to think of others, but there's just so much of, of this in that that you see all the time and people don't even recognize it. Um, they jousted. Joust was a classic American Gladiators event. When I think of Gladiators, jousting is one of the first thing that I think of. So they would be on each separate pedestals. They would have their pugil sticks, which is like that stick with the like Q-tip looking stick with the big N on it, you know? Yep. Uh, and the whole point was for them to knock each other, like knock each other off of the, of it. Um, that was, yeah, that I've was definitely it. seen that. I, that, I've seen clips of that too. I just guess I didn't realize it was American gladiator, but I guess I probably should have. Yeah. That know. is classic. Their signature event was called Powerball. Basically they had a field and there were like, um, you had to throw balls into like, they weren't trash cans, but that was the best way to think of it. They had cylinders. Like they looked like trash cans, but they were dressed up. And like at each end of the field, there were colored balls and the contenders had to run and dump their balls into the, 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 the cylinders for points. And the, you know, while the gladiators were trying to like tackle them to make them drop the balls or like, you know, knock it out of their hands if they did get tackled, they had to drop the ball and go back to the, the beginning. So, yeah. So the contenders were fighting against gladiators while trying to dunk, like dunk these balls into these cylinders, you know. Pyramid was a classic one. That's basically what I think of, like, we talked about Nickelodeon Guts, and they had that. The last event was always climbing the mountain. You remember that one? Yeah. Um, I remember pyramids like that, because pyramid was a, basically it was a pyramid of tiered crash mats, and uh, contenders had to climb to the top well, gladiators would be trying to throw them down. So I was always excited because someone would get near the top and a gladiator would get in touch with them and they would like power slam them down three tiers of the, the pyramid, which I always thought looked like it hurt like shit, you know? Hmm. Oh, I probably did. There was a swing shot was a fun one. I actually watched I watched an episode with swing shot the other day. Basically, the the everyone was done up in bungee cords. So the contenders and the gladiators were all done up in bungee cords. And they had these cylinders hanging from the ceiling that were attached to like strings with Velcro. They were just the, the, like, think of a, a, like a ball and the contenders would have to grab the ball and then take it back to basically uh, like their side and put it into a bin. And um, they, it was fun because they were all on bungee cords. So the key to it and the way it was designed was you had to like use your bungee cord to propel you up into the sky and the gladiators would be there to do the same and like slam everyone back to the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. They had a one called Whiplash, which is the one other one I think you were talking about. They're on a 20 foot uh, circular platform 
each of them are holding on what looks like a like a dog's chew toy like it's called it's called the dog bone um it's like um uh uh, each of them have like a a handle on it and basically the whole point was for one of them had to break the grip of the other one and own the bone is how they put it yep that's that's the one i was thinking of (laughs) yeah that one's called whiplash Anytime someone got the grip free, um, or I think, I think also you could get dragged out of the circle. Like I watched one where, um, where the contender got the gladiator on their back and pulled them out of the circle. And I think they got points for that. So, and then at the end of each event was the big one. It was called the eliminator. It was an obstacle course that was laid out over the entire arena floor. And they used different obstacles from year to year to um they they use different obstacles from the year so every season and in one way shape or form the eliminator would change but that was the big event the um and it was unique because where in most the other events the contenders would be faced off against the gladiators the eliminator uh at least at first was uh the contenders would be against one another and then if i if i remember correctly in later versions they would do it one at a time and compete against each other on time um, but um, it wasn't it wasn't a uh, contender versus gladiator um, situation. Now, I would like to take a moment and note there were different versions of American gladiators that were produced throughout the years. So in the height of its popularity uh, between 94 and 96, they produced a children's version of American gladiators called Gladiators 2000 or G2. And that one was actually hosted by Ryan Seacrest. Interesting. That was his second TV credit ever. 1994, his second one ever. His first one was some, I think, some animal deal. Um, I don't know. I, I forgot to be honest with you. But yes, 1994, Ryan Seacrest hosted Gladiators 2000. And he like, was his second gig ever. Um. They also tried to revive American Gladiators in 2008 during the 2007-2008 writer's strike. That version was hosted by Hulk Hogan and Lila Ali. Uh, It only lasted two seasons. And then since then, there have been rumblings of other revivals that have never come to light. Uh, In 2014, they announced that they were going to try to bring it back and incorporate elements of the Hunger Games franchise to capitalize on its popularity. That would have been cool, actually. Not that they actually get to kill one another, but, you know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe something inspired by by that. Uh, Seth Rogen and his partner Evan Goldberg were supposedly trying to bring it back for its 30th anniversary during the 2019 to 2020 season. That never happened. And in September of 2021, it was announced that MGM Television, who has the rights to it, had partnered up with WWE to bring it back as a reboot that featured WWE wrestlers. And we have not heard anything about that since. That would actually be pretty cool, too. I know. Any of them would be cool. Uh, You know, we've had all these attempts to... We've had all these attempts to to bring it back and just none of it has happened i don't know honestly how much space there is for american gladiators you know again i know i've talked about them but there's all those other shows which are a lot of the same thing like i keep going back to ninja warrior because i think it's the most popular of the style where people compete in athletic competitions you know yeah um i don't know how much room there would be for this unless they get some big and flashy big and flashy uh, athletes like wrestlers, I guess wrestlers fit the bill for big and flashy to be the gladiators. Got to have, got to have really fascinating gladiators. Also, really fascinating guests. Although I, I think the Hulk Hogan and Lala Ali might have been fun. I've never seen the 2008 version, so I guess what they they brought it back and they incorporated a lot of elements from the UK American gladiators, and they, like I said, they did it to fill space during the writer's strike, and it just didn't, it didn't take. It wasn't, it wasn't popular. My guess is once the strike was over, they wanted to fill the space back with. Well, they wanted to fill the space back with actual content. You know what I mean? But that is actual content, Dave. Yeah, I guess. Now, Rob, with all Me? popular, with all popular shows and books, any type of popular media, there always is bound to be a video game. 
And that's why we're here today. American Gladiators is no exception to that rule. One was made. It was developed by Incredible Technologies, which we know best as the creator of the Golden Tee Golf series. Oh, yep. yep that's, I, I, that's a great game series. I knew exactly who you're talking about because of that. So fun story. Incredible Technologies was founded as Free Radical Software in 1985 by Richard Ditton, a NASA software engineer, and Elaine Hodgson, a biochemist. Jesus. As a company, they started off as simply a software design firm working for another company, developing championship wrestling for Epics and porting a few other games. And then somewhere in that process, they decided to change their name to Incredible Technologies. For the first couple of years, they were really just a work for hire firm that worked on a lot of other uh, development studios games. And then in 1988, they designed their first coin operated game, which became Capcom Bowling. And Capcom Bowling was an arcade cabinet that used a trackball to simulate the movement of a bowler's toss, which was not a thing at the time. Oh, I know the uh, game. Yeah. There's plenty of games to do it nowadays, you know. And they kind of took off from there. In September of 1989, a year later, they debuted Golden Tee Golf. And the Golden Tee Golf series has become their bread and butter ever since. And even better, Elaine and Richard are still president and vice president, respectively, after all these years. So they're doing great. Well, that's good. Somewhere in the mid-2000s, they actually diversified into casino machines. And between the Golden Tee Golf and the casino machines, they've done pretty well for themselves. They're just not as well-known as a video game company anymore. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I mean, I've, I'll still, I'm not familiar with Golden Tee, if I'm honest. I'm yeah. So. Golden Tee Golf, the video game? Yeah, no. As an arcade cabinet? Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't think I've, that's familiar to me. I don't know that I've ever seen an arcade cabinet for golf, and if I did, I just probably wasn't interested enough to, to recognize the name. Well, so Golden Tee Golf is a cabinet that uses a trackball to, like, that's how you swing. And what's really cool about Golden Tee Golf, I have mine around here somewhere, it it has a, like, um, like a membership. Like, you have a card, and it tracks your profile from machine to machine. So like your handicap follows you from like, like no matter what cabinet you play in, you can log in as yourself, be yourself and your handicap follows you like they take it serious, seriously. All so, right. That's pretty cool. I'll give them that. It's very cool. Golden Tee Golf. I, I, I really enjoy the Golden Tee Golf series. So and they're good. They're just good. Like they're 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 good recreations like they real courses and. They do a real good job with the motion, like the trackball just feels smooth for swinging golf club. And I'm surprised you've never tripped on them because Golden Tee Golf is a great arcade cabinet. Uh, well, arcade cabinets being the keyword. There's not a lot of those anymore, huh? No, there are not. Uh, I see Golden Tee Golf in bars, arcades and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't go to a lot of those. So that, that would explain that. Yep. So the American Gladiator video game was published by Game Tech, which pretty much published video game adaptions of every popular game show in the 80s and 90s. And I'm not even exaggerating by that. Their library from that time includes Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, Hollywood Squares, Family Feud, The Price is Right, and more. So every popular game show. Um, they also published other games too. They are the ones responsible for publishing the MS-DOS version of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Wow. Neat. And a game called Brutal Paws of Furry. I only... Uh, Fury, not Furry. Fury. Could be Furry. It's a double entendre I'm, I'm seeing, maybe, but not. I'm just using that. Alright. But yeah. They published American Gladiators for the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1991. And in 1992... It was ported to the Amiga, the Genesis, the Super NES, and MS-DOS. Now, the first version, the NES version, it varied greatly from the others and varied very much from the game show itself because all the events, most likely due to technological limitations, they were all morphed into side-scrolling and overhead levels that really only partially resembled their real-life events. So, like... 
Um, the Joust events involved four different gladiator battles, top platforms. They were really just a series of Joust platforms to be jumped across in between battles. Um, human Cannibal required four gladiators to be beaten with perfectly timed leaps off a rope. Well, the gladiators platform elevated up and down, so you just had to time your jumps perfectly. In this event and the joust event, the gladiators would scream at you as they were knocked off the platforms. If you go on to like YouTube and you look up this game, the gladiator screams are freaking hilarious. I would encourage you to do that. The uh, the wall had handholds and footholds that you had to like navigate through obstacles including gladiators um that was a really tough event because you had to like rhythm rhythmically tap a then b and then move over and if you weren't in time correctly like your guy wouldn't climb correctly your favorite assault your your uh tennis ball shooting one basically it featured a battle with a gladiator and there was a he like he had it was like a duck thing the target would move across the screen and took like three five hits to to like knock the target down and you could take three hits so it was like a shooting match basically and then they had powerball powerball was a favorite for a, a lot of people that you could run and slam these balls into things so the nes version was was just bizarre it was it was bizarre but again like this is the way I think about it. Like N- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the very first one compared to the arcade one is like night and day, right? Yeah, I would say so. NES Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a side scrolling game that's like a platformer, whereas arcade became a side scrolling beat em up, you know? And again, difference in time, technical limitations, probably from the way it was programmed. One game was developed in the beginning of the NES cycle. One game was developed later. So they're just completely different games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way American Gladiators was too. American Gladiators was was that. By the time they got around to porting it in 1992 for the other versions, you know, the SNES, Amiga, and the Genesis, they had changed the game and it was a much more accurate representation of the television series. The events were not overhead events. They weren't side-scrolling events. They were, again, more accurate, accurate representations of the television series. And on top of that, by the time they ported it to the SNES, they were also able to add a two-player mode that basically had some matches were simultaneous, some events were alternating play, And then you could also do a tournament mode that had 16 players, like eight male, eight female that you could face off in all these events. And like you could, so you could fill it in with like eight of your friends and then the other eight slots would be filled by computer players. So yeah. So by the time they got to the second version, you know, it, it was a port, but it was also a much like, I don't think I don't see it as a port. They call it a port. They consider it the same game, but to me, it's a completely different game. It's a much better game. The 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 second round of versions are way, way, way better. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's one of those licensed games that has just kind of fell into history. Um, it is largely unknown to modern audiences because, let's face it, so so is American Gladiators as a TV show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if no one wants to, if no one knows what American Gladiators as a TV show is, they're not really going to give a crap about what American Gladiators as a video game is. It, it's just not a thing. Um, it's not something people are going back to be like, oh my god, that was a great game. It was just a licensed game. And it was just okay. Um, and it was just okay at what it did, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it did it. It did do it. That is a very, very, very good point. It definitely did it. Um... I, I do remember playing the tournament version with a group of friends. We had fun with it. Of course, it was never going to recreate the actual American Gladiators, but for what it was, for us, it was fantastic. You know, by modern standards, it's probably a really lame game. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to pretend, but I really enjoyed it at the time, and we had a lot of fun with it. We had a lot of fun watching American Gladiators. It was in syndication, so it was one of those shows that was always on somewhere. Like, syndicated shows are like, 
they show up at random times and there's repeats going over and over and over. So like you're flipping through channels and it's like, oh crap, there's American Gladiators. Let's just, it's a fun show. Let's stay there and watch it, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, I mean, that, so, that was what we did a lot in college with like uh, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune and stuff. Like yeah, 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 it was yeah. always on in the cafeteria. Yeah, so there were there were just a ton of there was a ton of of um, I watched a ton of that. I've probably seen all the original series. I've probably seen a majority of episodes, if not all of them. I never watched the children's one for whatever reason. I don't remember the children's one, to be honest with you. And then I definitely never saw the 2008 revival. I might have to go check that out sometime. So I think you should, Dave. It's uh, definitely sounding something I'd be interested in now. This uh, sounds like some pretty cool activities. Well, I mean, I did I did watch a bunch of it. There's you can go and catch full episodes on YouTube. So I watched a bunch while I was doing my research for this episode. And they're just as outlandish as I remember. Like like the announcers are like I think the first season had Joe, Joe Theismann. And then like Larry Zonka, like well-known football players were, were like the announcers it, 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 at one point, you know? Um, it, so it was always something going on. And it, again, it just screams. It's like peak nineties. It's fantastic. Like the way everyone's dressed and the way their hair is done and the way people in the audience are. Oh, fun little fact. The first season, they never could fill the, um, they never could fill the audience. So they would fill the front ones and then use like plywood, like standups near the back <laughs> uh, to make it look like it was full. That's great. I know it's fantastic. And then too, the first season they, they had the arena done up like a, like a, like a Roman gladiator deal. The referee was like an, like dressed up as an executioner. And like, again, the arena was dressed up like a gladiator arena and then they realized how kind of lame that was for the after the first season. So the second season is like probably what you're thinking of, where it's like the big flashy colors and an actual like sports referee and stuff like that. So if you ever seen American Gladiators that has uh, plywood cutouts in the audience and uh, a guy wearing an executioner's hood as the referee, you're watching the very first season of American Gladiators. So good to know. But yeah. As with everything, there's a beginning and there's an end. We've done a lot of episodes of this podcast. In fact, this is episode 148. So there are 147 episodes for you to check out. And you can do so by going to the archives on our website at www.memorycardlane.com. Rob, what else can people find on our website these days? Well, Dave, on our website also can be found a calendar of both previous and future topics that we have covered. You can leave little comments there to let us know your thoughts about the game, how it impacted you, maybe some little fun tidbits that you know just from uh, growing up or some rumors you heard about the company who developed it, because those can always be fun to, to read out and let people know about. Uh, you can also find bios of Dave and I. You can find links to things such as our Discord, where you can come and hang out with Dave and I, maybe get to game some a little with us. Just hang out and get to hear us talk about the stuff that's not always on the podcast. Uh, and there can be links to our social medias, where I can be found on multiple platforms as Rob underscore O underscore Raptor and Dave. I can be found on various social media platforms as David underscore is underscore wrong. If you find David is Wong, that's not me. It's a close friend, <laughs> but it's not me. <laughs> I am wrong. I'm not Wong. I mean, I'm both, but I'm also wrong most of the time. So David is wrong. Each week, we tell you a story about one topic relevant to the current week in gaming history. This week, we are honoring an anniversary of the creation of the American Gladiators game. It came out for the NES in 1991, and we are telling you its story by looking back at how the American Gladiators television show was created into the game itself. Just a little, little bit of 90s slice of, of fun. Um, each week we tell you a story, and in doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the, whatever the story is about. Something new about what they take from the world as their inspiration or something new about what they give back to the world as their legacy. One of the best parts about doing this podcast is that as we teach you things, we learn. Every week we have to research these episodes 
And when we do the research, there's always some little fun, interesting tidbits that we stumble across that we didn't know. And that's the best part. It's a fantastic cycle of teaching and learning, learning and teaching. And in recognition of this cycle, we like to go each week and talk about what we learned through the course of every episode. So, Rob, what did you learn today? Well, Dave, I got to learn a whole lot about American Gladiator as a whole. As I said, I'd only ever seen a couple episodes, so I had only or not episodes, even just a couple of clips. And I did not know a whole lot about it, did not know all of the events. I couldn't have told you much about it, honestly. Um, Most of the stuff I've seen, maybe I have seen more of it and I just didn't recognize it because whenever I originally thought of it, I was thinking of that first season more of uh, like the gladiator theme because, you know, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. But I also learned that in that first season that they use cardboard cutouts to fake a crowd. And that is incredible. Plywood, to be fair. Well, Sorry, plywood. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. Not cardboard. Cardboard would probably be what they use nowadays because they're cheap bastards. But I specifically read that it was plywood. So propped up. And then they just kind of didn't, you know, they filled an empty space and filmed it in a way that you can't really tell. So I I, I think those are both incredible facts. So that's it for me. What about you, Dave? Now I have to go to those old episodes and look to see if I can tell now that you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, I'm really fascinated by the story of its creation. If you get a check, go check out the American Gladiators 30 for 30. It's an ESPN documentary. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's on uh, Netflix because when I popped my Netflix on today, I caught it elsewhere. But when I popped my Netflix on today, it was like the first thing that popped up because you know how creepy your social media stuff is and listens to you. And then makes recommendations based on what they hear. Uh, speaking of which, I started watching the new season of Black Mirror. And that's the first episode, uh, social media. It was fantastic. Highly recommend. So yeah, uh, the whole way it was created and the backstabbing and everything is a really fascinating story. And the the um, the 30 for 30 documentary has interviews from a lot of people, including like the gladiators themselves and it's just really fascinating to hear the story from everyone's perspective i I, all those 30 for 30s are great all all of them go check them out and on that note rob i think that about wraps it up for today so before i take it into next week is there anything else you'd like to add to today's episode well dave as always i do want to take a quick moment to say thank you to all of our listeners it means the world to us that you come in week in week out and we hope we bring a little bit of less boredom to your life yeah. yeah. Well, Dave wants to bore you. I want to bring some fun to your life, but Dave, Dave likes to talk, so I just let him do his thing and chime in here and there. Yeah. All right. Well, next week we're going to look at a role-playing game series established back in 1987. It was, it is still going to this day. So it is based on a trilogy of science fiction novels by Japanese author Aya Nishitani. In it. Japanese high school students combat the forces of Lucifer, unleashed by a demon summoning program. Including its spin-offs, the Megami Tensai series has sold 34.5 million copies, and next week we're going to take a look at it, and we're going to look at where it came from. So join us again next week as we take a look at Digital Devil Story, Megami Tensai, and Battle with Demons on yet another trip down memory card lane to the face. Scooby-Doom-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-Dup-